Welcome to the Confessions of a Codependent podcast. I am your host, Jenny Red Pill Rage Eon. Very, very proud to be bringing you my only non-political podcast. Something a little deeper, something a little bit more meaningful, something I think we can cross party lines in terms of how many of us suffer from the terrible pain of living a life with codependency. On this podcast, we are going to be talking about everything from personality disorders, narcissistic abuse, prevention, narcissistic abuse healing, narcissistic abuse survival. We're going to be talking about dating uh, tips, toxic fawning. We're going to talk about fight, flight, fawn, or freeze responses. Things not to say to someone who is a trauma survivor. We're going to talk about PTSD. Also the difference between PTSD and complex PTSD. We're going to talk about what self-care is, and what it isn't. We are going to be covering so many incredible topics and hopefully discussing tools that can help us along our journey to become healthier, more self-loving individuals who can truly find love in this world, truly find purpose, and truly live with lion-like courage. So shout out to Codependence Anonymous. Go visit the website coda.org. Let's get started. Jenny, this is Jenny Love. Girl, I have been listening to you for a couple months now, and I had to stop in the middle of the part two curing people pleasing because girl, when you're, you're speaking about my life and you're speaking to me and you are not crazy. And I believe you. Yes, you are the purest that you've ever been when you're speaking about this right now. And I need this in my life. And God, I just wish I could have a conversation with you. Um, man, I, I love what you're doing. You know, don't stop. And who fucking cares how many people are listening? Because I promise you, the people that need to hear this, we're listening. We're listening, girl. Rock on, Red Pill, man. I love it. I love it. Thank you. What is up, codependents? How are you? I hope everything's going well. I hope you guys are doing your steps, working your steps, because they work if you work them. I hope you're going to your meetings. I hope you're reaching out. I hope you're talking. I hope you have trustworthy friends and mentors in your life that you can speak to. And uh, hopefully this podcast is also helping you get some relief too. Leave me in the, leave me, leave me. Let me know in the comments. Let me know in the comments. We got listeners from all around the world. This is so cool. The podcast is growing. It's growing slowly, little by little, but it's growing. I'm looking at the numbers every day and they're, they're, they're growing. So welcome to all the new listeners. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, this is Confessions of a Codependent. I don't have a confession for this week, and that's okay. Um, but I definitely have a lot on my mind. There's so many episodes that I want to do for you guys. There's so many more topics we need to cover, and it is just brutal. It's brutal trying to examine codependency from every single possible aspect, right? So, you know, there's the relationship we have with ourselves, which is the one that we're, it's really the only one that we have any control of, to be honest, right? 
what we think of ourselves, our self-worth, our self-value, our mindset, the way that we socialize, the way we deal with problems, the way we the way we process information. I mean, there's so much going on. Um, one of the things that I often stress in this podcast is that codependency really overlaps with a lot of stuff. It overlaps with sexual assault. It overlaps with abuse and neglect. It overlaps with uh, um, trauma, whether that be trauma from the military, trauma from a job that you might have had, car accidents, sudden life changes. Uh, it deals with codependency overlaps with grief a lot. Okay. Most of us, I won't, well, I can't diagnose you guys, but I would say a good amount of codependence where you, uh, let me put it this way, where you find codependence, you will also find borderline personality. You might find obsessive compulsive personality disorder. I'm saying, I'm sorry, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. You might find disassociative disorder. You might find uh, sex and love addiction. You might find alcohol and drug addiction. You kind of find a lot of stuff amongst codependents. So it's like a lot to cover. I got to cover it all. So we have the relationship with ourselves, which is the one that we are trying the hardest to fix. Um, we're constantly working out things from our childhood. There's the relationships that we have with family members that we're dealing with, the relationships with friends we're dealing with, coworkers, bosses, authority figures. We're dealing with all of those relationships, relationships with lovers, partners, uh, spouses. I mean, there's a lot going on here. There's so much to unpack. And one of the most important things that we need to unpack and I would say after, you know, as many episodes as we have had, I think it's it's time to talk about this. And that is our relationship to God. All right? Yep, codependence. Yep, we got to talk about that too. I don't want to talk about it. I dread talking about it. But if we are going to heal, we have to examine all parts of ourselves. Not just the parts that we're ready to look at, but the parts that we don't want to look at yet. And that's that's where it gets really hard. Relationship with God. Well, I don't know what religion... I mean, I, I now know that I have international li listeners for this podcast, so I don't know what religion everyone grew up with, but I can only speak for Americans. And our three major... Well, five major religions here are, number one, Christianity... Second to that would probably be Judaism. Sec third to that is going to be uh, Islam. Uh, next is going to be Buddhism. And underneath that is going to be uh, uh, Hare Krishna. Okay. I don't even know what religion that is called. Hindu Hinduism, maybe? Um, so, yeah, that's a lot. And I really can't speak too much on the other religions. I was... A Buddhist for 10 years, but I was a Soka Gakkai international Buddhist, and I didn't really go to uh, the centers all that much. I would only go once in a while. Um, I never officially received Gohanzan, but at this point in my life, I'm kind of glad I didn't because that would have just been another crutch for me to dive into that never really addressed the pain of my childhood, the pain of my adulthood, the pain of my single motherhood, the pain of 
pretty much anything else in my life. But, you know, there were some great aspects to Buddhism. I, I definitely think it, it helped me accept the ebbs and flow of life better through Buddhism and through, you know, Eastern philosophy. Uh, there's a lot in Eastern philosophy that I love. I'm definitely a big fan of uh, Japanese samurai culture. Definitely a big fan of um, other aspects of Buddhism that I think can be really helpful to a lot of our lives. But I did grow up Christian. I grew up uh, Southern Baptist. That's what my mom was. Uh, when I was a teenager, I did go to a Catholic church briefly because a lot of uh, the kids from my high school were going to that um, uh, church. So I ended up uh, spending about two years with Catholics, even though I never got I never got uh, converted. I think they call it catechism. I never actually took those steps when I was young. I ended up going back to Christianity. I was a Pentecostal and then Assemblies of God. So I'm very familiar with deliverance ministries. I'm very familiar with speaking in tongues. I can speak in tongues. Um, most of the women in my family can speak in tongues. I don't even know really what it means or what relationship that has to God. I just know that I can channel God's energy and say things that I don't understand. I've I don't know what I'm doing. I don't I don't know what speaking in tongues really is. It it, it is it speaking blessing and affirmation over your life? Is it speaking curses? I mean, is it just some gibberish? I don't know what it is. But that's not the point. The point is, um, after stepping away from Christianity for 14 years and finally coming back to it as I hit my rock bottom in April because of the accident, um, and, and trust me, there were a lot of things prior to this car accident that were 10 times worse, but the difference was at those times in my life, I had support and I had friends and I have had to face the reality because of this car accident that I do not have any support and I do not have any friends and that nobody loves me. And that's okay. That's okay. That's a harsh reality to face. <clears throat> I'm facing it now. And I had to decide, well, you know, if human beings don't love me, who's left on the roster? Well, who's left on the roster is the entity that I had turned my back on. And even prior to turning my back, I grew up with a sort of love-hate relationship with God. And all of those issues are now being addressed in my spiritual life. I made a deal with God that if he would reveal himself to me, that, um, I would dance every day like David danced. And I've mostly been keeping up on that. <laughs> I've mostly been keeping up on that. That's pretty much all I can give back to God. I don't, I don't have anything else. Um, so here's the weird thing when it comes to Christianity. I think Christianity, at least in America, or at least as it has been shown to me over the course of my lifetime is a pretty terrible religion. And based on what I now know of psychology and narcissistic abuse and borderline personality and all these other issues that I've mentioned earlier, 
Um, I really don't like the idea of church because throughout my lifetime, every church that I was ever in, it seemed like people wanted to slap the band-aid of Jesus on everything and nobody ever wanted to deal with their personal problems. And Christianity is a wonderful way if you are a narcissist to gaslight people and control people. And I think that all goes without saying. I think most of us have probably had a similar experience. Um, In my meetings, one thing that I notice is that other people wrestle with God similarly to how I've wrestled with God. And so I definitely feel some connection to others. And I don't quite feel as bad about, I'm not quite as tormented by it. Because I know that other people are going through it and they don't, they don't, uh, they don't feel that way or they do feel that way. Um, so one thing about people who've had a healthy upbringing, when you're little, you, you, your parents are essentially the God of your life until you can understand the concept of God when you get older. And when you have dysfunctional parents or neglectful parents or abuseful, abusive parents, you begin to see God as dysfunctional, neglectful, and abusive. So especially growing up as a rebellious teenager and a rebellious young woman, I'm still rebellious. Of course I am. I, I'm sure you can all hear that in my voice. There's a little angst in me and there always will be. Um, when you grow up with, with bad examples of parenthood, then you grow up with bad examples of love. So when you have gone through a couple of date rapes or you've gone through a couple of narcissistic abusive relationships or you've gone through a lot of same-sex friendships that with people that have used you and discarded you and when things in your life just don't seem to work out and when you're always in survival mode, it's very easy to see God as punishing and evil and someone who just think who just watches as our lives become a mess and doesn't care and doesn't want to intervene. And the support that you try to get from other Christians is so hallmark channel. It's so superficial and it's so more than anything else, completely ineffective. You know, when you go through major trauma and you have Christians telling you things like God will never put more on you than you can handle or you need to forgive or you got to love your enemy or turn the cheek, you know, you just want to slap the shit out of them because you're like, hey, guys, I'm getting bullied here. I'm getting abused here. And you, and you want me to, to take it with a smile? What kind of God is that? What kind of God is that? Right? Right, codependence? I'm sure you're feeling the same way. I'm sure you've had those those same thoughts in your head. So now I'm coming back to God 14 years later and I'm like, okay, I need to be fair. Because the problem that I had with God wasn't really with God. The problem that I had with God from the time I was 8 to the time I was 26 wasn't really with God. The problem that I had was with my mom and dad. You know, the problem with 
that I had was with was with my home life and the perception and the damage that that did, what that did to my amygdala, what that did to my prefrontal cortex, right? So I came back to God and I was like, look, okay, I'm going to give you, and, and I, I gave God an ultimatum. I took that, I was a bitch about it. And I don't, and I don't apologize for it at all. And God knows I don't apologize for it. Because if you guys out there in podcast land, if you really knew the levels of betrayal that I've experienced, you'd be saying the same thing. But anyway, I gave God an ultimatum. I said, look, God, I'm going to give you a clean slate. I am going to do everything within my power to get to know you outside of the church and all the bad experiences that I've had at churches with the jealous old women and the gossiping the gossip and the ugliness and the and the envy and the competitiveness i'm going to just erase all that from my mind okay i'm also going to give you a clean slate when it comes to my parents because they were not you and you were not them god all right so let's let's just start over okay let's just start over from ground zero and see what happens and if you heal me if you heal my my leg and I can walk again, I promise you I'm going to dance like David danced. Okay? So that was the deal that I made with God. And immediately God answered the call. And thank God. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, for answering the call. But I would be irresponsible if I did not advocate for the victims of Christianity. We are not going to turn a blind eye to the absolute destruction that Christians have caused. And now, here we are in 2023, the world is falling apart, and we want to blame Generation X for everything. Okay. Christianity and the church, maybe not Christianity, but the church as a whole, the American church as a whole is a breeding ground for pedophiles, narcissistic abusers, men who want to beat on their wives, grifters, scammers, False, false prophets. And worse than all of that is that for every one terrible leader in a church, there are about 15 to 50 deacons that are going to support them. There's about two or 300 females, women, old ladies or single ladies or married ladies or whatever who are also going to be willing flying monkeys, right? For every one terrible leader, there's a bunch of flying monkeys that support them. These leaders, these pastors, these deacons, these directors, whatever it is, whatever their titles are, 
they are able to develop a breeding, they are able to develop a following, a flock of flying monkeys that will not only do their dirty work, but also cover up their dirty work and then destroy the victims of either the church as a whole or the church as or, or, or a leader in, in, on an individual level. High alert all the time, digging into everything, making sure you're not doing or thinking or feeling anything that's going to get you sent to hell. And hell was very vivid for us. It was not an abstract concept. I would dream about being burned alive because I had thought Ugh, I really hate my brother today. And I thought, uh oh no, <laughs> going to hell again. I realized at a young age that I was a sinner. I have done so many bad deeds. I've sinned against God and I cannot save myself from my sins. Within this community, critical thinking is turned on yourself. So you end up kind of cannibalizing your self-confidence with overanalyzing Am I doing it right? Rather than criticizing the system as a whole. If you are so preoccupied with self-examination, you're not going to have enough energy to challenge the system itself. One of the reasons I feel so... I feel like this is such an important issue... I mean, look, we, we've all been watching what the Catholic Church has been doing for two, three decades now, okay? That goes without saying, okay? There's so much rape. There's so much incest. There's so much child molestation. There's so many lies. There are so many secrets. And it almost really doesn't matter what denomination you're dealing with. Um, I have literally experienced pastors gossiping and talking shit about people in their own congregation. I have literally experienced people getting kicked out of the church because the pastor's wife is a full-blown Jezebel. I have literally experienced church members tell you how much they love you, but can't even give you a ride home somewhere. Um, they will let you <laughs> stand out in the cold with your five-year-old child while it's raining, while everyone's leaving after Bible study and no one will offer you a ride. You know, maybe that's entitled of me. Ooh, whoopsie-doo. Ooh, I'm so ch- entitled person, right? I have literally experienced uh, churches literally scam their congregants out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. I have seen churches bend biblical concepts to fit abusive narratives. You name it, I've seen it, okay? And I was recently watching Amazon Prime, and I wasn't going to watch this documentary, but I kind of just, I don't know why, I just felt compelled to watch it. And it was the Duggard family uh, documentary that's on Amazon Prime. And it's still in like the top 10. So 
If you go on Amazon Prime, you guys can watch it too. It's a four-part series. It's really, really, really good. And it covers the secrets of the Duggard family. And it, it more importantly, it wasn't just the Duggard family. And if you guys remember, it was they had that show, that reality show about like 19 kids and counting or something. It was this uber evangelical um family that had all these damn kids and they were really proud of it and of course TLC picked it up and gave them a they made a bunch of money out of it and then you know all this then all the truth comes out you know and and the truth comes out about the fact that there was a lot of cover-up for the fact that one of the older brothers was molesting three of his sisters and how they covered that up and then you know, this child rearing that they do where they just are constantly inflicting pain. So from the outside looking in, you just think, oh, wow, what well-behaved children. Hello, codependents. Is the alarm going off in your head yet? What well-behaved child? What well-behaved children? Have you heard that before? My guess is that if you're a codependent, you've heard that before. My guess is that you were that well-behaved child, just like I was, right? But people didn't know why we were so well-behaved, right? It was because everything that was innocent and playful and joyful about us as children ended up getting mentally or physically beaten out of us, right? Right? Sound familiar? But the more the more interesting thing about this four-part documentary is when they talk about the practices that were going on in the church that the Duggars uh, were in, you know, and with the pastor of that church and with the philosophy of that church. And it's really crazy. So it's not just the Duggard family that was influenced by the radical extreme Christian ideology, but it was also many, many, many people who were influenced Many, many families that were influenced by this extreme ideology and these extreme punishments and the psychological torture and the sexual abuse, right? There's a lot in that. There's a lot to unpack. And uh, I'm glad I watched it because in this documentary, a lot of the uh, survivors of some of the abuses, not, not necessarily just the Duggard family, but all of the other survivors of uh, families that had been a part of this church, they, without me even putting the the dots, without me even connecting the dots, they, as as survivors, were able to illustrate the connection between extreme religion and and child rearing, and how you grow up to be codependent, how you grow up to never question how having these extremely religious or extremely strict parents, how they were literally grooming you for abuse outside of the home. Now, I've mentioned this before when I've talked about my mother and I've talked about how I would come home after I'd been bullied and how my mother would like set me up for abuse by proxy and all this other stuff. But it all makes absolute complete sense. When you have, when you grow up in a culture 
that teaches you to be absolutely selfish, never to have any needs, never to set any boundaries, never to advocate for yourself, to always believe in the good of other people, to always give to other people before you do anything, before you ask for anything for yourself. That is grooming, okay? Believing when, when you were taught that being a victim is your fault, that you must have done any, you must have done something. You know, God's watching you. God sees every move that you make. God knows everything, right? Of course, you're going to grow up completely paranoid and self-conscious. You're never, you have no right to privacy. You have no right to privacy. If you're telling five and six-year-old children that God knows all of your thoughts, then you begin to inflict self-punishment based on your own thoughts over shit that you didn't even do. Of course you're going to grow up to be a mark. Of course you're going to grow up to be uh, easily tricked. Of course you're going to be to of course you're going to grow up to be someone who is easily gaslit and overly responsible for other people's garbage. Overly responsible for other people's anger. You grow up with Stockholm syndrome. You grow up with battered woman syndrome, whether you realize it or not. And even if your parents never laid a hand on you, even if no one from your church ever laid a hand on you, you are, your mind has been completely opened to abusive people when you become an adult. Your mind is complete. Your mind is soft soil. For anything that an abuser is going to want to come in and plant. And let's say, okay, let's say you get lucky. Let's say you don't have years of, of, of getting sexually used and abused. Let's say you don't have years and years of uh, being mistreated at work. You don't have years and years and years of, of date rapes and, and uh, uh, things happening. You don't have years and years of homeless, low homelessness, right? But even so, even if, even if you can escape that type of upbringing and still have a relatively normal life, do you ever really achieve your dreams? Do you ever really, where is your self-worth? Do you ever really go for your goals or do you view yourself as somebody who is a vessel for other people's use, whether that be your husband or the church? Or, you know, if you're a man, whether that be, you know, you could marry a Jezebel. Men get abused all the time. Men get abused all the time. I'm the first one to 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 jump on the side of men and say that you have to understand I'm a I'm a recovering MRA. Okay, maybe not. A, I'm a recovering honey badger, but still an MRA. Let's put it that way. Right. Men's rights advocate. I know how ugly women can be. So let's say you're a young Christian man. You grow up, you get married, you know, wait, wait, you do everything right. You wait till you're married, you know, to have sex and 
you're in the church and you're working and you're doing everything you, uh, you think a husband is supposed to do, but you married some bitch ass fucking Jezebel. You married some crazy ass Jezebel psychotic bitch. Now you're stuck. Why? Because you were never taught. You were never, no one ever explained to you. You as men have been groomed too. You as men are, are, are open vessels, soft soil for abusive women too. Right? This ain't just a, a female thing. All right. And then let's look at the other side of it. Right. Let's say you're somebody like me and you have gone through 30 years of trauma, 35 years of trauma, 32 years of trauma. Let's say you have. Right. But if if I was still under if I was under the spell of the type of religion that uh, that the Duggards that the Duggard family grew up with. I would continue to believe that everything was my fault. I would continue to believe that this is what I deserve. I would continue to believe that my vows and my submission and my obedience to God and whoever my spouse could have potentially been, I would continue to believe that that was more important than my safety. That that was more important than my physical or mental safety. That that was more, that that staying true to the cause and embracing the suck and, and, and just dealing with it because that's what's expected of me as a woman or a man, you know, whatever, spouse, whatever. I would continue to, 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 just, to just sit in it. And I wouldn't see a way out. Because if God says that you need to endure the the abuse, and if God is all knowing and all seeing and all hearing, then I better then I can't. There's nowhere to escape. So you know, this is just a theory of mine, but I kind of believe that there's a lot of people out here with schizophrenia and multiple multiple personality disorder because of the church. Because if you, if you don't feel like you can physically remove yourself from a situation, what are you going to do? Now, anyone who's a rape victim who, who understands uh, uh, the disassociation that might happen, what are you going to do when you can't physically leave? You're going to try to find places to escape in your mind. And for people who never get healing, for people who never get therapy, for for people who never get help, what's going to happen? One day they're going to snap. One day their mind is going to crack because there's too much imaginary stuff happening in your brain. One day your mind is going to snap and you're going to get stuck in that schizophrenic episode forever. You look at these crazy homeless people on the street. It ain't all drugs. Some of it's drugs and alcohol. But some of it is that, you know, they probably had a mother or a father or a pastor that beat the shit out of them when they were children, physically or metaphorically. They were told that God can see everything you do and God knows every thought in your head and God can hear every word that you're thinking. So you're fucking trapped, man. 
It's like it's like those mimes when they pretend to have that fake box against them and it's such a tiny box and there's like it's it's that jail cell. It's that prison cell. You're in a prison cell that you can't escape because God's watching you. God knows. God sees everything you do. You have no autonomy. You have no privacy and you have no rights. And if I'm going to claim today in 2020 that I am now a Christian and I I renounce, you know, a lot of the stuff from my past, most importantly, my mindset, negative mindset, I definitely renounce that. Um, Then I have to be honest with you. I have to be emotionally and spiritually integrous enough to tell you what to watch out for if you decide to go back to church or if you're raising kids with somebody who believes this way. I need you to know what the end result of that religious extremism is going to be. It would be dishonest for me to sit here and act like, oh, the church is such a wonderful place. No, it's not. No, it's not. The church is, is, is the first abuser for many people. Religion was the first rapist for many of us. And even if it didn't sexually rape us, it raped us of our self-worth. It raped us of our autonomy. It raped us of our ability to make decisions. And so guess what? Now we're codependent. Resist when your parents are hitting you as a child because it's for your own good. When you believe that your body belongs to the church and to the authorities that be, it's absolutely designed to groom victims to be ready for more predators later on as adults, as young adults. Like everything about it sets you up to to be the perfect victim. It's like Gothard franchised spiritual, physical, emotional, psychological abuse. The way to be free is to learn the wishes of your authority. He figured out how to package it and then put it in all these different places that he never actually went. It was so entrenched into the DNA of the message that it went everywhere. Gothard turned um, every father into a cult leader and every home into an island. Premieres Tuesday, March 15th at 9 on TLC. You're having all these talks about this promo shoot coming up. We're being pressured to come back. I didn't want to, but at the same time, I've never said no to my family before. It's this whole like umbrellas of authority thing. That was ingrained in me. I felt like I said, no, I'm not obeying my parents and bad things are gonna happen to me. IBLP and the, the teachings draw in people like my dad who want this control that can foster this cult-like environment. I absolutely think that people would be drawn to that. Bill Gothard, Jim Bob Duggar, these are all feathers of a kind with a slightly different outward presentation. This was my actual life that these people fucked with, along with the Duggars. I said, we can no- So before you guys uh, take the Christianity thing too hard, I just want to make it emphatically clear 
that the types of abuse that happen in the church structure and in the family structure as a result of the church structure, this is everywhere, okay? This is everywhere. There is pedophilia and domestic violence rampant in Islam. We all know that. We don't need, I don't need to explain to you that Muslim women pretty much have no rights, okay? I, I don't need to explain that to you. Happens amongst the Jews, okay? Jews are notorious, notorious for abusive behavior and the responsibility of a lot of child porn. I'm not going to get into it right now, but if you ever want to come to my Red Pill Rage channel and check the receipts, I'll be more than happy to welcome you over to the political side of who I am, but we don't want to do that right now, right? We're we're talking about healing, okay? I'm not going to go there. It's the same with uh, the New Age movement, and I can tell you this firsthand, okay? Some of the most spiritual, uh, vegetarian, vegan, Hare Krishna, dancing, uh, Alex, gray, loving, meditating, breath working, uh, 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 chakra aligning, uh, Reiki healing yogis and gurus. They are notorious, notorious for sexual abuse, notorious for grifting, notorious for scamming. That shit... The, the, the spiritual movement's been happening since the 1920s, guys. Or actually, since the 1910s. All the psychics and healers and snake oil salesmen. That's all. It's, it's all documented. So don't think because you're some new age yoga bitch who meditates and I'm so spiritual and I'm a vegan, okay? Don't think because of your... I don't mean to disrespect you. You go, you guys know I say bitch in a um, endearing term, okay? If you're one of those chicks or if you're one of those guys, let me tell you something. You're not immune to this either. You're not immune to it at all. You're probably you're probably donating money to scammers yourself. You're going on retreats to scammers yourself. You're going to Bali. You're going to get raped, okay? And you might not know that you're going to get raped. And even if you're not physically forced to it, a lot of times you're being coerced into it. You you can't tell. Listen, listen. All these ex-Wicca chicks and ex-Yoga chicks and ex-New Age crystal chicks, you know, chakra chicks, all these chicks are coming out of the woodwork, woodwork and talking about the abuse, the abuses that they have endured at the hands of these gurus. These gurus that are telling you to sell all your shit, come over to India, come over to Bala, Bali, you know, come out to Hawaii, come out to Calabasas, okay, because it's happening in California too. Malibu, hello, hello. Oh, hi, California, hello. San Francisco, hello. All these gurus and yogis, they're sleep. 
They're coercing their members into sex. They're coercing their members into infidelity if they are married. They're coercing their members into open relationship lifestyles. They're coercing their members out of their life savings and their homes and their cars. They're coercing their members into isolation from their families. You yoga chicks and you yoga dudes, you chakra people, you ain't immune to this either. And you know who else went through it? You know who else went through it? Our lady of codependency, our patron saint of codependency, Alanis Morissette went through it too. You guys remember after the uh, Jagged Little Pill album when she uh, went to India and got all spiritual and that's right before she did her um, supposed former Fatuation Junkie album and God, what was it? The other one, this God, what was the other album that I always read from? Hold on. Anyway, I, how is it that I'm such an Alanis Morph? You know what? Cause I look at her stuff too much and then I forget, but anyway, let's read what Alanis went through because Alanis understands us. Alanis knows what this type of religious abuse is. And she also knows the codependency that this religious abuse creates. So let's go to her song. And this is one of my favorite songs. I love this song. Okay, it's it's got a really cool sound to it. This is from, again, supposed former infatuation junkie out of 1998. <clears throat> Baba by Alanis Morissette. I've seen them kneel with bated breath for the ritual. I've watched this experience raise them into suitor, pseudo, which means fake, pseudo higher levels. I've watched them leave their families in pursuit of your nirvana. I've seen them coming to line up from Switzerland and America. How long will this take, Baba? How long have we been sleeping? Do you see me hanging on to every word you say? How soon will I be holy? How much will this cost, Guru? How much longer till I how much longer till you completely absolve me? I've seen them give up I've seen them give their drugs up in place of makeshift altars. I've heard them chanting Kali Kali frantically. I've heard them motley repeat your teachings with elitism. I've seen them boasting robes and foreign sandalwood beads. How long will this take, Baba? How long have we been sleeping? Do you see me hanging on to every word you say? How soon will I be holy? How much will this cost, Guru? How much longer till you completely absolve me? I've seen them overlooking God in their own essence. Hello, can I get an amen? Sorry, I was trying not to break character, but hello, can I get an amen? How much have you and I overlooked God in our own essence? 
codependence? Ask yourself that question. If you don't ask yourself any question after this podcast, ask yourself, how much have you overlooked God in your own essence? Ooh, let me just keep reading before I get mad because I'm about to get mad right now. Okay. I know I'm mad because you know that's what was stripped from me. You, why was my... Why was my self-esteem in the toilet for this long, for 40 years? Why? Because that's what my mother robbed of me. And that's what the church robbed of me. And that's what the church robs of millions of people. It certainly robbed it from the girls in the Duggard family. I've seen their inward glances in hopes of instant salvation. I've seen their righteousness mixed without loving compassion. Ooh, that's that's some Pharisee talk right there. I've watched you smile as the students bow to kiss your feet. How long will this take, Baba? How long have we been sleeping? Do you see me hanging on to every word you say? How soon will I be holy? How much will this cost, guru? How much longer till you completely absolve me? Give me strength, all-knowing one. How long till enlightenment? How much longer till you completely absolve me? And I think the most significant thing that sticks out in this song is that last line. How long... Till you completely absolve me. Now let's put that in terms of codependence, right? How long till we're good enough? How long until we can receive some love, those breadcrumbs of love? How long until I am at your standard? How long until you stop become being angry with me? How long till you stop punishing me? How long until I'm good enough? Do you guys see the connection here? Do you see why I say that religious abuse is the soft soil for abuse in the outside world later on as you become an adult? Do you understand why I am saying that Christianity is the ultimate groomer? Religion is the ultimate groomer? If you have righteousness without compassion, you have nothing. If you can follow the rules, but you don't have any love in your heart, you have nothing. If you are walking through the world without seeing God in your own essence. You have nothing, codependents. You don't want to be like me. You don't want to go 40 years of hating yourself and then finally trying to work it out through 12-step meetings on Zoom and a podcast. I mean, there's a lot of other things that I've done in terms of my healing and therapy. And it's an everyday thing. It's an active choice that I have to make a priority every day. It's a lot of work. You don't want to do this much work. You don't want to be like me, codependents. But my guess is if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already are. 
And that's okay. Because here's the difference. We know the playbook now. I hope it brings a smile to your face when I say that. We know the playbook now. I think it's a good thing. Our feelings are not going to change overnight. Our self-worth is not going to come back to us overnight. Our ability to be socialized is not going to come overnight. Our ability to have a enough socialization to be able to differentiate and detect dangerous people from safe people, that's not going to come overnight. Our ability to stop our 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 ability to stop procrastinating is not going to come overnight. Our ability to see God in our own essence is not going to come overnight. But if there's one thing that I can leave you with, please, please, I am begging you. I am begging you. And Alanis Morissette is begging you. We are both begging you. Please, please, when you look in the mirror, I want you to know that no matter how fucked up you think you are, you are, you are in a league of elites now. You are deciding to make a change. And whoever you have to leave behind, fuck them. Fuck them. It's funny, when you do begin to see God in your own essence, you kind of get a little bit of an attitude about it, right? Like I can definitely say being in my villain era, part of it is having a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, but then part of it is wanting to experience the fullness of my own love. I want to exp- I want to experience the love that I give other people. That's a really crazy concept. Like that really requires that you have to have <laughs> multiple personalities and you have to split yourself and you have to di- di- disassociate, right? You have to see one version of yourself as hero and one version of yourself as victim. One version of yourself as, as masculine, one version of yourself as um, uh, feminine. You have to see one version of yourself as God and you have to see one version of yourself as the bad guy, Okay. It's tough, right? I know I sound crazy, but but just bear with me, okay? We're, this is just an exercise, okay? The villain era is an exercise, all right? It's just an exercise, and we're only going to do it for four months. We're not going to do it forever. But as you come out of this villain era, I want you to see the goodness in yourself. I want you to see the progress that you're making. I want you to see yourself as equal and valuable. This is what, you know, Sex and Love Anonymous is all about. This is what Codependence Anonymous is all about. Seeing yourself as equal and valuable. Knowing that your needs and boundaries and preferences matter just as much as everybody else's needs and boundaries and preferences. I want you to be able to trust your own instincts so that when you have narcissists and scammers and predators and parasites, when, when they come into your circle, that you can immediately identify them and stop looking, at for, stop looking for the answer outside of yourself. 
ladies and gentlemen. I said it in the first episode. I say it anytime I'm talking to people. I say it in my meetings. I say it on other episodes. And I will continue to say this to the day I die. There is no amount of prayer, crystals, breath work, chakra alignment, tarot cards, psychic readings, retreats, workshops, new, new set of clothes, new job, new car, new spouse, new boyfriend, new girlfriend, new dating app new friend, new food, new adventure, new flight. There is no, there is nothing, nothing that is going to fill your heart until you start doing your shadow work. You might fly around the world. You might go to meditation retreats with the most reputable yogis in the world. You might eat the most delicious coconuts and vegan food. You might uh, be in the most beautiful setting. And you know what? It's going to be nice. It's going to feel good for a while, you know, and then you're going to come back home and you're going to deal with yourself all again. When you come back from that retreat, when you come back from that workshop, guess who's going to be laying in bed with you? You. And I tell you this because I don't want you to waste a lifetime chasing salvation outside of yourself. I don't want you to spend a lifetime chasing God's essence in everyone else, but not you. Don't be like me, codependents. Please don't be like me. Keep working the steps. It works if you work them. Stand tall. Ground your feet. And know that the work that I'm doing and hopefully the work that you're doing, it is like standing in the face of a firing squad. It's like being at death's door and staring the Grim Reaper in the face. It's Final Destination times 10. It's every scary movie you've ever watched, every nightmare times 10. That's what healing feels like. It sucks and it's hard. But if you make a choice to do it, it makes you again the most elite form of human that there is. A a human being that can look in the mirror and face what's really there, you are ahead of the curve. You are in the upper percentiles of humanity. I want you to stop looking at yourself like like you are a piece of shit. I want you to look at yourself for what you really are, which is the bravest and most courageous type of human being. Someone who's willing to accept constructive criticism. Someone who's willing to dive into the deepest part of the pool without a life jacket, without a boat, 
without flippers, without a mask, without go- snorkel, without anything. You are willing to walk through the fire, knowing how much it's going to burn you. You are willing to stare ten toes down with the green, Grim Reaper and say, you will not take my life until I have decided when you will take my life. You will not abuse me unless I decide that someone can abuse me. You no longer have control. Not saying that we want to decide for people to abuse us, but I'm saying we're making the decision for people not to abuse us anymore, right? But we're also making the decision to not abuse ourselves. So I beg you, I beg you, I wish you can be in my bedroom right now as I'm recording this podcast for you. I wish you could see my face and I wish you could see my heart. I am begging you, if nothing else, you need to see God in your own essence. If you do not do that, you will continue to be a mark, to be soft soil, to be a victim. You cannot do it. You have got to recognize there's some demonic, narcissistic, psychotic motherfuckers out there who are coming to you as an angel of light. And the hunger inside of you for someone to save you, for someone to help you, you have got to start to feed that hunger with your own supply. The reason These gurus and these pastors and these yogis and these directors and these and these and these community leaders, the reason that they're getting all of your money and the reason that they are abusing you or your family is because we are so desperate as codependents to find anybody to save us. And these scammers, they look good. They, they make it look real good. They smell good. They, they, they speak in that very soft voice. They calm you. And you go to their retreats and you go to their workshops and you just feel so at peace. Right? Right? They gave you, they gave you <laughs> your oxytocin. You dummies. You dumb codependents. They gave us the oxytocin. They gave us the serotonin. That's all it is. Yeah, they're wrapping it up in religion, but it's still the same thing. It's the same thing. Please learn to see God in your own essence. And I never, ever, ever say this on any of my podcasts, but tonight, if no one has ever told you that they love you, I'm sorry that no one ever told you that they loved you and that you're worth it. And this is the only podcast I'm ever going to say these words, codependents. I love you too. Your higher power loves you. And if your higher power is Jesus, I want you to know the Jesus that you, that you thought you knew in the church is not the real Jesus. I promise you that the Jesus that I know is the coolest dude on the is he's the coolest dude. 
and he's here to help us. So open your heart. Now, I'm going to close with a prayer. And again, this is going to be the only episode that I do this. I will never pray for you or tell you that I love you any other time, any other episode. But this episode, we need it. Dear God, only you know our upbringing. Only you know our childhood. Only you know our pain, God. Only you know the struggles that we face, the demons that we fight internally and externally. You know what our coping mechanisms are. You know what our communication skills are. You know what our attachment styles are. Dear God, we ask that you remove, we humbly ask that you remove these defects of character where, where and where they, when and where they should be. We ask you to give us a new outlook on life, a new mindset, and a renewed heart, and a rejuvenated spirit, God. Dear God, I have a special prayer for anyone who is out listening here who has been religiously abused, who has ever suffered physical, emotional, mental, or sexual abuse at, as a result of their church or their family's extreme obedience to their church. We ask, loving Father, that you fill us with the love that only you can provide, the love that we cannot find in other human beings, the love that we can't find in politics or political affiliations or churches or hobbies or groups or sex or drugs or alcohol or gambling or whatever it is that we have chosen to use as our band-aids and our crutches, God. We ask you to show us your essence inside of ourselves so that we begin to value ourselves the way that we value you, God. We ask that you, that you heal each and every one of us and you give us something that we have never seen before and that we have never experienced before. I pray right now for all of the codependent listeners. I pray right now for each and every one of their hearts that their hearts will be filled with forgiveness for their abusers and their forgiveness toward you, God. Because chances are, if they were like me, they never got to know who you were in the first place. And we might have spent decades in other things trying to fulfill that God-shaped hole. And we come to you now as codependents, as addicts, as unloved people. We come to you now and we ask that you turn all of this around for us. And you give us the strength to turn it around for ourselves every single moment of every single day. Help us to choose you and righteousness and ourselves. Help us to choose that before we choose a, a, a crutch or a band-aid. Help us to turn to you when we are in times of lack instead of looking to the world to be our hero. Help us to turn to you in times of confusion instead of looking to these quote-unquote leaders to try to help us 
navigate through life. Dear God, I pray that you show each and every one of the listeners of this podcast, each and every one of the codependents, you show them what their purpose is. You show them the role that they have to play in your army, whether it be warrior or cleric, whether it be medic, whether it be counsel, whether it be leader, whether it be strategist, whether it be drummer boy or girl. You show us where we're supposed to be. Because despite all the abuse and pain that we've endured for so many years, whether self-afflicted or not, there are some wonderful parts of our personality that have come and resulted of that abuse. And we take that and we ask that you take those parts of our personality that we need to retain, whether it be survival skills or strength or industriousness or compassion or empathy. You take that and you you put that, you maximize that by 10. You take the beautiful parts of our brokenness and you turn it into the a blooming garden, an abundant garden, not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us. Help us to be safer people, less defensive people, less angry people. And when it's time to come out of our villain era, God, we are here to be the, the, the vessels of light and healing that you have called us to be. And we ask, we humbly ask these things in the name of your son, our brother, the ultimate healer, the ultimate humanitarian, Jesus Yeshua Christ. Amen.